Amen. All right, be seated if you would. Psalm 134 is our text tonight. Psalm 134 will mark the end of a wonderful journey that we have had on Wednesday nights. Um, this is the last psalm that finds itself in the collection of psalms that is called the Song of Degrees. And for since the month of September, I have been preaching to you on Wednesday nights, and we have been studying the Songs of Degrees. We gave them a series title of an Old Testament playlist as these were psalms that were written that were songs with a G that were sung uh, as to encouragement, as to ministry, as to praise and worship to the Lord. And I wanted this collection of psalms to be to you something precious, something that you have marked in your Bible, something that when you um, need spiritual encouragement or direction, that you would think about this collection of psalms. And the same way that you have a physical playlist of songs on your phone or your device or whatever, that you, the way that you listen to those, that these would be something that you would visit often as you have need of them. And so we, we have enjoyed them. There are 15 of them. They break down, Bible scholars tell us, into three groups of five. And like any song, you have a repetition and verses and choruses and thought. And so the, the repetition that runs through each group of five um, would be a threefold repetition. And that would be trouble, trust, and triumph. I, I hope that you have those words written at least by Psalm 120, you could write trouble. 121, you could write trust. 122, triumph. Just so you know and you remember those words as you are studying these. This psalm tonight, I preached to you in August of 2021. I know that you remember every word of that message. It struck you deep to your very spiritual core, and it blessed you richly. Amen, Amen right? I, I had it titled, Understanding Your Spiritual Privilege. I don't know if you remember that title or not. I went back and listened to the message, and I, I have to say it blessed me listening to it. And I was tempted just to hit play tonight and play that message back to you. And then um, the Holy Spirit of Beverly and the Holy Spirit of Reuben told me that would be a bad idea. So I didn't, I didn't do that. And uh, I, I'm glad I didn't do that because in revisiting the psalm and just uh, rejoicing in it and also reviewing what we had come up to, it was the preaching of this Psalm 134 that led us into the series of the Song of Degrees. And so I preached the final message, which really was an introduction into the other messages as well. And so in conclusion tonight, I just want to revisit it and wrap this up in your heart and your mind so that you never forget this series of, of songs. 134, there's only three verses in it. 
So I'll tell you what, let's read them all out loud together. I think that will help us. Ready? Psalm 134, verse number one. Behold, bless... Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't doing it by myself. Here we go. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. All right. By way of review, you know that the songs of degrees have another word called the song of ascents or climb. Um, the climb or the ascent, I believe, as you study the Psalms, can be both physical and it can be spiritual. This collection of Psalms, we're told by historians and, and Bible scholars, were chosen and set apart as Psalms that were used during the pilgrimages that they would make annually up into Jerusalem. And so they didn't have uh, CDs, they didn't have electrical devices, they had to just sing their songs from the written word of God. And so as you listen to music while you would travel, they would sing these while they were traveling. And there's 15 of them. We know David did four, Solomon did one, that's five. We're not sure who wrote all the other 10. If, if, if people had to venture a guess, Hezekiah would be a very good guess. No way to know that. But we do know that they were chosen and put into this collection by the singers that had that responsibility and they were provided to families during the pilgrimage. And so, as you know, if you've been to Israel, that Jerusalem sits way up high on, on, on that mountain. So you, you must travel up to it from any direction that you come to it. And so it's fitting physically that you would start from a low vantage point and work yourself up to the top. When you study these Psalms in collection spiritually, if you go back to Psalm, verse, uh, Psalm 120, you see that it begins with, in my distress, okay, in my distress, Verse number five of that, woe is me. Um, verse number, or go to Psalm 123 and 124, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. So a lot of times, spiritually, the psalm would start in a very low place and it would climb. And so these were psalms that were written and then they were collected. And so now we've come to the last Psalm at 134, which really and truthfully was them reaching the pinnacle. Some Bible scholars say this is them actually reaching the temple. Some say this is them actually reaching just Jerusalem itself. But whatever that is, the case is this. They've got to the top. They can go no more. They've reached where they need to be. This peculiar psalm, this uh, particular psalm here, is really a call to worship. It's a call to bless the Lord. 
It's the final song that they are singing. And when, when they've adapted this as almost a doxology approach. We are here. God has brought us here. It is now time to praise the Lord. Now, when you think about God bringing them there, remember, trouble, trust, triumph. So, so as they're singing on their pilgrimage, they're remembering the dark days of trouble. And by the way, just so we kind of understand this, because sometimes people don't think this way, everybody on the planet has trouble. It amazes me. I'll, I'll meet with people, and they'll say, well, Pastor, we know you don't have any trouble in your life. Really? Uh, I've been married 27 years. I have four children. I passed. I have trouble. So, so everybody has trouble. So they've, they've, they've dealt with trouble, deep, deep trouble. Matter of fact, one of the messages I preached was entitled, When I'm in Deep Trouble, that trouble caused them to trust. David said, when I am afraid, I will trust in the Lord. It's one thing to trust in the Lord just on a daily moment, but when you're in trouble and you have to trust the Lord, that just elevates trust to, to a, a place that, that only difficulty can take it. And I have found that extreme difficulty that brings me to extreme trust usually drives me to my knees to pray and trust the Lord. So, so they've come out of deep trouble that has brought earnest, deep trust. Not, not just have a good day trust. And in the midst of that, they have seen God meet their need. They have come to him for that. They have found wonderful blessing in him. And so now they've known the triumph of trusting the Lord in the middle of all of that deep, deep problem. And really and truthfully, having reached the top, the singer is ready to sing, and he's really ready to sing according to verse number three. Look, if you would, please, at verse number three. He's ready to sing because he has reckoned that it is the Lord that made, say those three words, please, heaven and earth, right? And so the psalmist is, the writer here, is attributing creation in the Old Testament to the ultimate power of God. And so having been in trouble, having trusted the Lord, having seen the Lord meet his need, having seen the Lord provide for them, the psalmist would be able to tell you that uh, they're ready to sing and to bless because of the great power that God is able and has provided for them. And, and I just want you to understand something tonight. Our God is strong. He's all-powerful. I think sometimes we forget that as believers. I think sometimes we, we get to the point where, where we're not sure how powerful and how strong God is. And we forget that he created the world out of nothing. We forget that he, he spoke the world into existence. We forget that he was able to rise from the dead. We forget that he was able to save us for all eternity. We forget that he holds everything in his control. And I want you to understand something. There's no greater power in all of our world than our God. 
And the singer would want you to know that he's power enough to handle your trouble and powerful enough for you to place your trust in him. So let me just stop right here and just see tonight and think about your life and let you analyze your life as you're sitting there listening to Bible study. As you look at your life and you look at the moments of your life that you've been in trouble, God has been able to meet those. Can you run to places where you trusted God in the midst of that trouble? Have you, can you go back to places where God showed himself strong on your behalf? I would submit to you that the God that showed himself strong on your behalf in the yesterday is the same God today and will be the same God forever in our tomorrow. And so, so the psalmist is reaching, they're reaching the pinnacle of their pilgrimage. It's all over, all the trouble, all the trust, all of that, and he steps back and he just is amazed and he says, listen, we've been through everything and the best way we can tell it is that our God is all-powerful, he's able to care for us, he's able to meet our need. I would remind you about that tonight. And because of that, the psalmist has this strong desire to bless the Lord. And I can understand why this would be such a desire to bless the Lord in recognition of all that God has done for him. Did you ever think that you have the ability to bless the Lord. We, we ask many times for God to bless us. But did you know that you have not only the privilege to bless the Lord. But you as a child of God have the responsibility to bless the Lord. I had to do something difficult today. Try to define the word bless. So if I was to say to you, um, bless you, what am I doing? Somebody help us with a definition. Just think about it a moment. When you're saying bless you, what, what are we saying? God bless, okay, well, so if we say God bless you, what are we asking God to do? We're asking them to bless. I know. I'm asking you, what does bless mean? Take care of you. Bestow goodness. What does it mean? I bless you. God bless you. I had a hard time too, so I had to study this a little bit. At the heart of the word bless, when you look it up, you'll find that it is the word praise. Really and truthfully, one of the definitions I loved was it was affecting somebody. Something that was affectionately and gratefully coming from your heart that bestowed upon them blessing or praise. Now, I don't know about you, but I want God to affectionately and gratefully and wonderfully bestow in my, my, in my direction his grace and his mercy and his goodness. But you and I, as believers, we have the responsibility and the privilege to bless the Lord. So when you think about that, how do you bless the Lord? Think about it. If I said, let's go out here and bless the Lord, what would we do? 
Okay, I think we blessed her obedience. Good word. Praise him. Good word. Thanksgiving. Good word. What about back here, my unspiritual crowd back here? Pardon? Sing to him, honor to him. Have you ever had a personal moment where you blessed the Lord? No, no, not when you thank the Lord. Not when you kind of were grateful to him. I mean you downright blessed him affectionately, gratefully, bestowed upon him praise, adoration, honor, that comes from a, a life that is obedient, trusting, to where God kind of feels the same way that you feel when somebody blesses you. Did you ever think that God can feel blessed? Pastor, how do you know God can feel blessed? Because you're told to bless him. We wouldn't be told to bless the Lord if he couldn't feel blessed. But he's God. He knows everything. Yes. He's God. Does he, he, does, does he really care about my blessing? Oh, my friend. He does care about your blessing. And you as a believer ought to be in a position of blessing the Lord. So think about this. Has God ever met you in your need? If so, would you say amen? Okay. So you had trouble. You had trust. You trusted the Lord. That power of God met your need. What do you do after that? We lift up our hands. We fall to our knees. We affectionately and gratefully bless the Lord. I want to submit something to you here. This is what the psalmist is saying here. He gets to the top. Behold, bless ye the Lord. I would tell you this. Only the child of God is equipped to bless the Lord. Unsaved people cannot do this. Unsaved people cannot bless the Lord. They cannot worship the Lord. We worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Look, if you would, please, at verse number one. Behold, bless ye the Lord. What's the next little word? All. All, every believer should and can bless the Lord. The only qualification that you have to bless the Lord is salvation. Salvation brings you into, as a child of God, salvation has brought you into fellowship with the Lord Salvation ought to have made you new and redeemed you. And so many people think, well, man, yeah, of course the God is blessed by the pastor. Look what he does. Uh, okay, pastor is an office. The he is Thomas Alexander Hunter Jr. Okay, so, so I want God to be blessed in the office of pastor of Plantation Baptist Church. But as Thomas Alexander Hunter Jr., I have the responsibility as a child of the living God who has been in trouble and has seen and trusted God and God has met my need. Even I, in my own humanity and in my uniqueness, I have the responsibility to bless the Lord. And so do you. Pastor, God doesn't hear my blessing. Yes, he does. Well, Pastor, I'm so small or insignificant. No, you're not. You are a child of the living God. And God wants 
to hear you bless him. So the psalmist, they've, they've reached the pinnacle here. They've reckoned the power of God. And now, now the command comes or the direction comes for the child of God to bless the Lord. I mean, they're celebrating. They're, they're, they're um, affectionately and gratefully praising the Lord. Now, he gets here and he makes a couple of statements in verse number one that are some truths that we, that we need to listen to. Bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord. Okay, so all the servants of the Lord. And especially those which by night stand in the house of the Lord. All right, now here the psalmist is acknowledging a special group of people. These are the Levites. These are the watchers. These are the ones that had the responsibility at night to just to make sure that everything was a-okay. Their job was to watch that nothing that would be a defiling would come into the temple. Nothing that would be against God would be brought in there. I'm sure the position of watch was essential and important. I'm sure sometimes it felt small and uh, uninspirative there. It's not, it's not a big deal just to watch, but it was very, very important action and need inside the house of the Lord. And so these guys there are the watchers and they are the ones in verse number two that he commands to lift up their hands in the sanctuary. Now, let me unpack this just a moment. Give me a moment to unpack it. And I think you will be blessed by this. All right. So if you're told to lift up your hands, that must mean that your hands are down. Right. We, we can understand that. If you're not up, you're Okay, Father Abraham, you know, we don't need that right now, but we're getting there, okay? So, so their job as watchers in the temple was that the temple would not receive defilement. Let, let me just make a statement here as believers and children of the living God. We need to make sure that we watch our lives that nothing defiles our temple, right? Your body is the temple of the living God. Your body is where God indwells. And you want to make sure that nothing defiles the temple of the living God, which is your body, which inside of that is your mind and your emotion and your will. The, these were watchers there to make sure that defilement didn't happen. Now, they're watching at night. And this is interesting that he goes to them at night, and in the middle of the night, he wants for them to, to lift up their hands and praise the Lord. I was studying this, and they, and they were teaching us how that, in that custom, the false gods, they, they weren't approachable at night because they were resting. They needed to work during the day and rest during the night. I'm glad that our God is on duty all night long. Okay? But being where they are, and what in, in this position of watching it at nighttime, they're inside the temple. They also had the responsibility of worshiping. Their, their service was essential, but worship 
was essential. They're, they're doing their service, but they have to be encouraged or directed to do their worship. Service inside the temple without the joy of worship must have been miserable. Now here we have some application. There is a danger to the child of God as he is serving the Lord to where you you get so wrapped up in your service that you forget about your worship. And I would submit to you that serving the Lord is not totally the same as worshiping the Lord. Don't substitute the two. Matter of the fact, I would submit to you it's very dangerous to substitute service over worship. It ought to be where service comes through my worship of the Lord, right? So, so you have people in church, and they're in the choir, but they're miserable to sing in the choir. They hate coming to choir practice. They wish they didn't sign up for the ministry, and they would to God they would never do it again. And when they sing, and I'll, well, I better not stand there because you might know who I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> when, when they sing, there's no joy, Right? Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're a happy Christian. Just because you serve the Lord doesn't mean you're happy, right? So, so this guy has climbed to the pinnacle. He has seen the power of God. He is revived. He is on fire. There ain't nothing in his life he doesn't believe that God can do. And he comes to the place where that ought to be celebrated and you've got singers doing their job of watching but they're not involved in their worship. Sometimes familiarity, status quo, apathy, routine, doing church, having a ministry, falling into a rut. These type of things happen when we have moved away from personal worship with the Lord that, that wells up inside of me affection, grateful praise that I just want to pour out upon him and pouring out my praise and recognition of all that he's done for me in that wonderful moment of blessing, then I'm willing to do whatever he calls me to do. But, but to try to serve the Lord without that is such a, a, a non-joyous position here. And so the danger is that they were... They were consistent in their service, but they were lacking in their worship. And this revived guy shows up and says, brother, 
you're in the house of the Lord. You're, you're here. You're inside this temple all the time. All the blessing that God has bestowed upon you personally, there ought to be a worship that is springing forth and coming forth from you to the Lord. But you got your hand. Lift up your hand, man. And praise the Lord. By the way, when the Bible speaks about lifting up your hands in the sanctuary, write these two thoughts down. Lifting up your hands is always a gesture or symbolism of a clean heart. We lift up our hands and show that our hands are clean, that our hearts are right with God. Holiness is responsible here. Holiness is an understanding here. The purity of our lives, not, not a defilement or a dirtiness, but they were to have hands that were clean and that were holy and that would be lifted up. These were also, when your hands are lifted up, it speaks of a consecration. It's an understanding that I have nothing in my hand to hold on to this world. My hands are holy. They are lifted and lifted. They are in total consecration to you. Now, this is the guy that has reached the top. This is the song that they have adopted. This is the guy that has reached the top, that has seen the power of God meet every trouble he has had, been the confidence of his trust, and the worship of his triumph. And that ought to be to these guys. So let me make my point. Yeah, pastor, get to it. Okay. Where are your hands at tonight, spiritually? Are they lifted up to the Lord? Or are they more like this? 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 The position of your hand spiritually shows where you are in your heart. And so we're coming to the conclusion now, right, of our series. We're coming to the conclusion now where this guy, the last psalm they, they write and sing is this full-out exhortation for all the servants of the Lord to bless the Lord, to understand that it is, it is possible to be in a position where I'm so focused on service and doing and the outward working that my inner relationship with the Lord is not right. And it's my inner relationship with the Lord that brings joy. It's the inner relationship with the Lord that brings strength. It's the inner relationship with the Lord that brings worship. I don't know many people that bless the Lord because they can teach junior church or watch the nursery. People find joy in that because they have a heart of worship toward the Lord. Tell me you understand that by saying amen. But if you want to get burned out, you want to quit, you want to get discouraged, you want to get into a place where there's no longer a lifting of praise in your mouth and in your hands, then move away from the understanding of your responsibility to bless and worship the Lord affectionately 
and gratefully. And that affection and that gratitude comes as I see him, I reckon him, I have been to him in trouble, I have trusted him and found him to be faithful. He has met my need and he has wonderfully delivered me. Look, if you would, at verse 3 and we'll be done. The last reward for the child of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Verse 2. The Lord that made heaven and earth do what? Bless thee, right? So as I'm blessing the Lord, the Lord is blessing me. The Lord is blessing me out of Zion. That out of Zion is the place of total authority from all powerful position. Zion will be where he will rule the world one day as he set up, sets up his kingdom upon this earth. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee. And the reward of the child of God is that as we bless the Lord, as we worship the Lord, as we serve the Lord, as we trust the Lord in the moments of trouble, then the Lord will bless us. And I would submit to you that there ain't a better blesser in all the world than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, so let's close our whole, our whole playlist by just saying, um, how many actually have a playlist in your car? Or you, you have a playlist that you go to, okay? All right? How many of you actually get up and dance to your playlist? A couple of brave people. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> you play your playlist, and when you're done with your playlist, you feel happy, joyful, encouraged. My mother-in-law stole my thunder. You feel blessed. So let me just ask you this. If, if the world of music can do that to you, I submit to you the word of God can bless you like you've never been blessed before. Right? And so the playlist brings you to a place where you, you have a problem at work, you have this, you have that, but you're blessed, you're settled, you're rested. This is what God does in our lives. He is all-powerful. He can meet any of our need. He, can, he is worthy of our trust in the middle of our trouble. He is an anchor that will hold us. And so as you find yourself in the moments of those, you find yourself visiting these passages.